Hello and welcome again to this latest episode of iLoop, Interesting Lives of Ordinary People. My guest today is Anne Jersh. Anne is a London-born professional psychic and a leading pioneer of future life progression. Hers is the only FLP training school in the world with over 250 practitioners in eight countries. She has helped individuals and businesses change their current trajectory by glimpsing into what lies ahead in the immediate and the more distant future. She has a worldwide following with clients including heads of industry, government officials and celebrities from the world of film, music and sport. She has authored five international best-selling books including Instant Intuition, The Future is Yours, Cosmic Energy, Create Your Perfect Future and her latest book Future Vision, Your Working Life. In this conversation, we talk about the concept of time and how it is possible to change your past and create the life you see in your perfect future. I began by asking Anne to describe the major turning point in her life that led to the path that she is now on. I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, I think there's been several turning points, but I think a real big one for me was when I hit a really bad patch and I was pretty young. I had kids young, I had my children. And I think I hit like you, every bit of my life felt like a mess. So health, my health was terrible, uh, but I chain smoked, didn't eat. I mean, I really didn't eat. So I was super thin. Um, money was a nightmare. I was in a bad relationship. So somebody said, you should go for counselling. It become a thing. So I thought, well, OK, I'll give that a go. I'm not particularly good at opening up to people I don't know. But I went along and, and counsel kept, all she did every week was go, how, how do you feel? And I'm just like, is that it? Is that it? You know, I needed some input. I need, I just found them wet and pathetic. I thought, and then I met Greta, who became my spiritual teacher. And she was this strong, ballsy, fabulous spiritual woman. And she just, I just did what she said, basically. If she had said paint your head green, I'd have painted my head green. Um, I just did what she said. I just had such faith in her. She had an opinion. She talked. She actually said things. She knew stuff. And she was intuitive, which blew me away because she, and uh, yeah, that she was a big turning point. So I saw her once a fortnight for six months. E everything in my life changed. I mean, six months later, my path was completely different. I had a different view of life, how life works. So, so I suppose that was my a, a big one because I, it was weird, but people could see the change in me. They'd almost like, because I wasn't looking so nervous and shy. I was just standing stronger. I was taking more space. You know, I just knew my path more um and it was funny because I, I was really young and she said you're going to work in a spiritual field my grandmother was spiritual I mean that was a big turning point staying with my nan and watching a fortune telling and I was always curious and around the spiritual things but I just thought at that time I would never have thought to work in it and it was Greta saying this to me and then one day this weird thing happened with the windscreen of my car this is the maddest thing this little circle appeared in the glass and then another circle and in the end I'd have to drive looking through all these like circles it looked like planets and Greta saw it and went oh my god you're gonna fly 
this, you, you've got the cosmos in your windscreen. You're looking at the cosmos every day. And I, I thought she was a bit potty, you know, with the spiritual stuff. But she said, no, and you, you've got a spiritual path. She made me not afraid of the unknown in the future, whereas we often are fearful of change, but I wasn't. So I think that that was my biggest tur turning point, meeting Greta. So, so your initial, you know, path was going to counsellors, which is generally what people would tell, you know, us to do if we're going through a bad yeah. patch and you didn't, yeah. you found that that didn't work for you. So <clears throat> how did you go from counselling to someone like Greta? Somebody just said she's the one to see. She's absolutely, when you're having a bad patch, she absolutely knows what you need, what to do. So I, I just thought she was like another counsellor. I didn't actually know she was spiritual when on long there. It's just that somebody recommended her and said, no, the others, they, they do just nod a lot and don't. I wanted somebody to say, don't put up with that, do that, read that book, take that vitamin. And she would, she, um, she, she'd say, take the nutrients, do that. I just did it. I just did it. As soon as I met her, I had faith in her and other people, the people that knew her also, had, I've never met anybody like her ever. I wasn't actually looking for somebody spiritual at all. Uh, if anything, I would have avoided that. It was only that she she wasn't yeah she wasn't a wishy washy woo woo spiritual person. Although she went into areas that I that to me now would be woo woo. She she was very she was a social worker. I mean she was very grounded, very practical with things, and. Uh, you know, where a lot of spiritual people will be, oh, well, maybe they've got a reason for doing this and doing that. She wouldn't. She'd go, no, that's bad. That's out of order. You don't have to put up. You know, she was quite point blank. I like people that are quite strong characters. You know, I, 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 I need people around me that are quite black and white about life. That's wrong. That's right. Don't do that. Do that. I like people that are straightforward. I mean, there are scary things out there. And she kind of, lived in the real world is what I'm saying. And I found a lot of the counsellors just didn't. They'd taken a course, they were, they'd lived this nice little comfy life, but they'd not lived in the world that I came from. And so she, she understood the real world. That's so interesting because, you know, um, I think a lot of the training when, when you, you, you train as a counsellor or a coach mm. even, you know, it's all about, you know, don't be directional. You're not going to tell your client what to do. You're there to listen and you're, you're there to help them find out what mm. their solution is. But what you're saying is that sometimes what people need is for someone to tell them what to do. Well, you, you definitely need something a bit more direction. In actual fact, counselling has been proven to have a very low success rate mm. because, because you're talking and talking, you're reinforcing all the negativity. It's not giving a solution. Yeah. It's not actually saying, okay, no, it's not creating change. Um, so a lot of counselling is just reinforcing, no wonder my life shit, look what happened when I was six years old. I've, done, I've been around this 45 years now. I can often go, that's the book you need. That's the person you need to see. That's the therapy you need. And sometimes you need somebody with experience because when you're new to it all, you don't. You, but Greta would find me the right bulk flower remedy. I wouldn't have known. You know, she'd say, go and read Louise Hay, which was a thing back then. You know, she, there, there were key things that she would tell me to do that I needed to know. So sometimes you do need somebody to sort of say, yeah, I know I, there's a really good book on codependence or, they, or, or whatever it is, uh, because they've got the experience. Just nodding isn't that helpful, I don't think. Yeah, so she was more like a mentor and a, a sort of yeah. spiritual teacher. Yeah, um, absolutely. 
Yeah. So what, I mean, you said you worked with her for six months and you saw her every other week. Uh, mm. Can you give us a sort of a flavor of the kind of things that she helped you to change about yourself? I think she got me to see life differently. It, it, you know, like, why are you attracting that? Where's the mirror? What, what, why is that acceptable? Because uh, I, because I come from a bit of a crazy background. I, I'd make excuses for people when they do bad things. She would make me examine what I was thinking. But I think it's also, she, I think one of the major things is how we, we are in control of our lives. I think that's one of the major things. We are in control. We can change things like that if we want to. And that's the bit uh, that really made, made me think, yeah, I can change this. I don't have to struggle for money. I don't have to be ill. So, so at the time, my health was, uh, I had a lot of health issues at the time, mainly from bad living and the stress of how I was living. Yeah, she got me to understand why you have certain illnesses, which you've got to remember back then was really unusual to hear, you know, that because I didn't know beforehand how you can change you know what's happening inside why are you creating that illness what's going on you know so she taught me many things but I think a lot of it was you can create your path which is obviously what I do with people now yes yes so let's talk a bit about that so she changed the way you saw your own life and she mm. gave you this sense of empowerment you know that yeah. you could you could create your own path so what yeah. What happened next after that? Well, I think I, I started to, one, I stopped people taking liberties. That was a big thing. I found, um, I, I, you know, I, I'd always say yes. You know, when you say yes, and but you're not happy that you've said yes. So you get taken advantage of. So I learned to say no. I learned to set boundaries, which was a, an amazing thing. And I, I'd always been around the spiritual path, obviously, because of my grandmother. And somebody by chance bought me a pack of tarot cards and I think she opened up my spiritual side. So she'd invite me along to some spiritual groups and healing and channeling and all sorts of things. So, um, but I did start to read cards and that was a massive turning point, you know, that I started to, um, and it was funny because I was working in sales and I'm doing really well. I, it was the type of sales I'm, I'm good at and I didn't realise I hated it. <laughs> you don't, you, you, do you know what I mean? Because you're good at it and you're earning a lot of money. You don't always stop and think, I really don't like this. I really didn't like the people I was working with. I sound horrible, but they were really funny, uptight little people. They never smiled. If you, if you made a joke, they'd all look at you in horror. <laughs> and so, and I woke up one day, and this is the change she created in me. I just didn't go back. And the boss called me up and said, you crazy, look what you're earning. And your earnings are doubling up each year. You'll be on a fortune. And as he said it, my heart sank. And in between, I'd been reading cards for people. I went, I'm just going to read cards. I've got no idea how I can make a living out of this. I've got no idea how I'm going to pay my bills, but I'm going to do it. So she got me on a very, as I say, practical level. And then I had somebody that was forever turning up with, this sounds awful, but I'll be honest, she had the most horrible child. This woman had just turned up and dumped her kid on me again. Could I leave her here for 10 minutes? I'm just, and be gone hours, gone hours. I didn't even know of that world, but she had a kid about the same age as mine. And the kid would cry, she'd pee herself, she'd hit the other kid. She was just idiot and not my problem. Where before I was brought up to be, oh, well, you've got to be kind and da-da-da. 
And one day, she came back hours later for a child and I went, don't ever do that again. Shut the door, gave her a child, don't ever jump your kid, kid on me again for hours. Don't do mm. that. So before I'd have been uncomfortable, you'd be mean, you know, it's not kids for blah, blah, blah. But Greta said, forget all that. Just say no. Just say, don't do this. You know, so she, it was very practical. She was quite a tough cookie. It weren't all spiritual wishy-washy. She was there were very practical changes um, to do with money, handling money, uh, to do with saying no, that people thought I could come around and sit in my house all day. Um, you know, just people just show up and want to hang about and I don't particularly want them there. She actually said to me once, do you like that person? I went, no. She went, well, got them? Well, they just keep showing up and I make excuses and tell them I'm busy and they still keep showing up. She said, no, just just tell them to go away. Just tell you, it doesn't matter if they don't like you because you don't like them anyway. And I went, yeah, that's the point. I never thought about any of it. I brought up to kind of go to be accommodating. Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. So in that first week, you had to learn to receive because I think it's something that givers find very hard, don't they? They're so busy giving, giving, giving. Yeah. So you learned to do that, and the second one was to learning to say no. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And firmly, because the thing is, you end up with people around you that are thick skins. So when you go, look, I really don't have time or I can't do that. They'll keep on and they'll wear you down. So you have to actually be, no, <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. She told me to read a book and it was When I Say No, I Feel Guilty. And it's quite an old book now, but it had several techniques in that changed everything for me because I'd have people you say no and they'd just argue with you or hustle you or that book that was it changed everything so so where were the where were the spiritual aspects of it when did those come in you know so introduction to tarot and things like that when did that happen for you well the tarot I'd already had several packs but I hadn't really you know, trying to read the books and, you know, that it was really complicated. Was it mean when it's next to that one? And in this, you know, and I couldn't really, and there was loads of different meanings. But one day, while I was seeing Greta, my friend bought, had bought me a pack as a gift. And I just picked them up, could read them. It's like she opened up something as well. She teach about meditation, talking to spirit. She talked to, she, she run a lot of spiritual groups. You end up going along to the groups and meeting other spiritual people. So she, she, she definitely opened me up. Though my grandmother was spiritual, Greta was the one that really made me, took me that step further on. I think my, my grandmother sowed the seed. And then Greta was the one that right go to that go to this let's let's go off to this festival let's go here all of a sudden you you know you you being dragged off to some amazing event and um yeah it was it was magical i suppose i'd heard about it all been around it but with her it came to life around me and you're watching and they were all all the people she hung out with were amazing people they floated through life it's hard to describe Greta, but she floated through life. I've seen her where, where she was living, she needed to leave that day. And she actually had nowhere to go. And I went, Greta, you, you just got to sort out where you're going later. She said, someday it will come up. The universe always looks after me. And I'm going, Greta, it's four o'clock. You've got to find somewhere tonight. Phone rang. Somebody said, I, I, I know this is short notice, but I urgently need a house sitter. I need somebody to house sit my mansion for the next six months and look after my dogs. She went, yeah, I'm on my way. And things like that happened oh. to her all the time. So she kind of 
taught us how to you flow with life and you don't panic and you don't get wound up there's a flow to the universe and when you flow with it the doors just open that's fascinating because that was going to be my follow-on question that you know that to be a spiritual person do you have to be a certain kind of person I mean like did you have a sort of genetic lineage because your grandmother did it or you know is it just about mindset and you know being open to this new I, d- I don't think it's I think we're all I've got this within us from our ancestors I think our ancestors lived a spiritual life if you go back they would have doused for water you know they would have listened to their dreams if you go back to our primitive ancestors they, they use their abilities a lot more I think it's part of all of us and you can see it come out when people you talk to anybody in the police or military they're much more using their instincts and their intuition. I've never met anybody in uniform that doesn't have a story about how they just knew something, how their instincts were there. So in our modern day life, they're the people that need to have a strong sense of danger or awareness. Yeah, certain people, it's like nurses know if somebody's more ill than, than you know, they know if somebody's not gonna make it, they can tell who's stronger that they can often detect the illness by instinct. So people at work in certain professions. So we've all got that within us. A key point is when you meet, there's a lot of people who go, oh, I'm not into all that. No, it's, I'm not intuitive. And then they hit a really bad patch. And that's when the instincts start to work. Often your instincts work when, when you've got problems. That's very interesting. And I think to your point about, you know, people in emergency services, they don't have the luxury of waiting and thinking about all the facts they yeah. know and you know coming up with the right answer you just got to decide literally in that moment what your next thing is going to be the military do actually teach this the SAS teach what they call jungle consciousness that when you're in the jungle after you've been in the jungle two weeks it takes two weeks because at first the jungle's really noisy and it's just a lot of noise but after two weeks there's one noise that you go be careful and you know it's danger could be a wild animal or out of all the noises they also teach if the enemy are coming towards you don't look at them because they will feel you looking avert your eyes away they will sense you watching them so um I, I put in my last book um u.s navy are doing a lot of studies because they found that there are some people in the military that just know get out the way that the bullets come in your way or something they have some sort of an instinct they, they just feel it and they started to study the people that knew this because once you analyze how it works you can teach the others they want to be able to teach their military people i i interviewed a, a, an ex-military guy that he just said he gets this tight feeling around his head and that's like a signal to him, hang on, be careful here. And it actually saved him on a number of occasions where he's kind of gone, he was in a minefield, he was tr- driving for days in a truck with several other people. And they got to this one field and he went, don't want to go into that one. No reason, it looked the same as the others. They drove into it, found it was a minefield, and they were stuck there for two days. But he said that tight, and one of the other guys in the truck also went, no, this don't feel right. What, it looks the same. What is it? And we have that primitive instinct. So sometimes it comes out when it's needed or when we're having a tough time. Yeah, yeah. And the key is to really learn to listen to it. 
Yeah, one of the reasons I put uh, the intuition course together is because we might have the odd flash of inspiration or now and again we might know something, but I've spent years analysing intuition. How does it actually work for you personally? Mm. We all have our own way of processing information. So once you once you've sussed out how it works, then you can use it whenever you want. You can actually tap into the intuition. So I've, I've spent time breaking down intuition, absolutely breaking it down into lots of different uh, sub-modalities to find out how it actually works. And it's quite interesting that once I've worked with people and taught them their intuition, it's a very interesting process that they, they, they bring up all the time. Information is floating out there on the ether. Information is just out there. If you, if you use a tool, it will stimulate the part of your brain that can access that information. So anyway, so you, so you went down the tarot path and from there you've, you've obviously added more and more expertise. So talk a little bit about that, please. Yeah, well, tarot I did for many, many years. I was always interested in past life regression. Greta would talk about it and several of her friends, but you go back that far, couldn't find a regressionist. Uh, you know, obviously you, could, you just couldn't find people. You did, couldn't Google people. If it weren't in the yellow pages, forget it. You know, you got to remember back then you didn't have spiritual books in your local bookstore. You'd have to go into central London to Watkins. That was the only place you could get them. Now and again, you'd see a little advert somewhere, mail order that you could order something. It was very, very difficult to get, get the information. But, I, uh, but I'd hear Greta and her friends talking about past life regression and I was just absolutely captivated. So it took many years, but eventually Denise Lynn came over. I still think she's the best in the world. And she did a huge room full of people. I think it was something like 800 people in the room. And she took them all back to past lives. And that was it. I knew I had to work with it. But again, there was no training. So I trained in hypnotherapy. I trained in clinical hypnotherapy uh, so that I thought maybe I should have some sort of certificate, you know, maybe I'll have, have some qualifications somewhere. So I did that and just started uh, writing my own scripts and started taking people into past lives. And it was just captivating. It was just magical. Absolutely, totally love, love, love working past lives. Then one day some military guys came wanting to find out something from the past. And I, I ended up working with them quite regularly. And there was something specific. So I brought in somebody else to take me and them back. And all three of us jumped forward and started glimpsing the future. We didn't know at the time, but what we'd actually saw was the attack on the Twin Towers. And that was three weeks before it happened. Okay. Yeah, it was um, very shocking. Uh, at the time, we just thought, well, we didn't find out what we needed to know from the past. We've had a rubbish session. That's how we saw it. Um, three weeks later, when it happened we we were just shell-shocked because we hadn't known enough to stop it or change anything but we started to experiment and my whole life changed this is probably my biggest turning point because my whole life changed in a short space of time I died we we started glimpsing world events not the obvious not, you know things you might guess this wasn't guessable things we started to see the future we started to write down, I started to take my clients forward. And what really got me, things they saw at five years started to happen much sooner. We'd go and find the best of the future. 
and we fast track the future. So if somebody sees their future love in five years, they don't want to wait five years to meet the love of their life or to get their career on track. So, and it changed the people. We, we were kind of going into the future, bringing the best of the future back into our current consciousness and everything changed very quickly for me and for other people that have trained with me. Uh, they, they've noticed huge, huge change, huge change in their lives in a short space of time because we jump beyond current limitations. So FLP is now uh, global. I mean, we've got people in 22 countries. We teach people how to be practitioners. We're working with youngsters. We're going being brought into the corporate world. I mean, it's just taken on a life of its own. So that was a big dramatic change in my life, discovering FLP. So was FLP, FLP obviously a future life progression, isn't it? Yeah. It, was that something that was already established? I mean, you know, past life regression clearly was something that people yeah. had done before. Or, you know, did you stumble upon something that was not yet mainstream? That, uh, yeah, it was not at all mainstream. I mean, I had, it took me six months to get insurance uh, for the practitioners because just nobody, nobody understood what it was. There was um, a scientist that had studied a lot of past life to disprove it and actually found so much evidence, started looking into the future. Then I dug around and I found Dr. Bruce Goldberg, terrific guy. So I, I, by then I'd already set up working with people, taking, I'd developed my own techniques. And I found it, he was a dentist in America that had actually started taking people forward, but often a long way into the future in a very different way. I wanted to work with people in their current lifetime or change their current lives. I wanted, I wanted to improve people's current lifetimes. Yeah, I mean, he was not so well known, but his work was really, really, really good. Worth looking him up, Bruce, Dr. Bruce Goldberg, really good guy. But I, would, I think I, I'm the only one that's really taken it on a very wide level and used it to change people's lives now. Um, 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 what's been interesting is it's attracted a type of person to train with me. So they're people that understand slipping around in time. They understand it and they're amazing to work with. And I remember thinking it got, it was getting so big and so busy. And I'd been, can you come to this country, that country? Can you come here and teach? I suddenly thought, I can't, I can't be everywhere. I love jumping on. And I suddenly thought, why are you trying to? You amazing people with their own expertise have trained with you. So uh, it's become more a group of us than about me. The corporate world's calling me in. So that's been very interesting. When you've got government uh, department calling you in for a month to work with their people and they're loving it, that's when you kind of saying, yeah, something interesting is going on here. So, yeah, it's just... Um, fabulous been really and it gets more exciting all the time and the practitioners they they're like a family because they're all on the same wavelength so they all get on with each other so how does it work when a corporate wants you to come in what kind of things are they asking you to work um, on? it's about five years beforehand i could feel the world of work is going to keep changing and it's going to keep changing okay we've had covid we've had lockdown AI sounds futuristic, but it's already running our life. There's so many things that are going to, and this is just scratching the surface. The world of work is going to keep changing. So I knew we needed different strategies uh, in order to thrive in the future. So that, that was my main, that was what the last book was about, how we need to change what we need to know. And it's about the world of work. 
And so companies started to contact me and say, would you come in and do some work? Because they need to know future trends. They're people, people are really struggling, especially after being locked down, they're really struggling. I, uh, so this government department brought me in to work with 15 of their executives and help them see how they can thrive in the future within the organization, or maybe it's not in the organization, maybe they're gone somewhere else, they, that, as long as they're thriving, give them a clear path. But I also did two two-hour sessions with, with them to see the whole um, company and where, where that department's going to be heading, what do they need to know, what changes are coming up. So uh, you can do it as a group, how to work better as a team, how the company's going to work and work with the individual. So it's been tremendous. I mean, it's really gone down really, really well. In the That's so interesting. So you mentioned something about, you know, people who know how to slip around time or something mm. like that. Mm. That sounds really fascinating. So can you expand on that? What does that mean? What kind of person actually is, is right for this sort of... You know? I think it's some people... A lot of people think, well, you can't see the future, you can't change the past. A lot of people don't understand that. Most people don't think more than three months ahead. Some people understand that time doesn't work the way we think it works. It works in a very different way. Uh, nobody knows how it works, but it works in a bit of a different way. And they're just, they're just people that are fascinated by time. They might want to do some regression, change the past. That's why I'm losing my voice. <laughs> Excuse me. They, 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 they want to glimpse their future. They understand that they can glimpse the future, that they can get insight from the future. They understand that all the information's out there. I suppose I'm, I'm sort of thinking slightly, you know, the way a, a skeptic might think that, you know, mm. when you talk about going back in the past and changing mm. what's already happened. It's a concept that's a bit difficult to really get my head around. Yeah. How does that work? I mean, how in practice can I go back and change something that happened to me, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago? But the thing is, if you have three people all go to something 15 years ago, all three of them will tell you a completely different story about what happened there. So usually people's memory are not that accurate anyway. Now, they did some study on, it was a group of uh, students overlooking, uh, remember when the American shuttle blew up? There was a whole bunch of students in a classroom that watched the whole thing. So I think it was 40 students. And the teacher, thinking it was good for them in therapy, the next day got them to write their experience, what they witnessed, what they saw. And he kept the paperwork. And many years later, many years later, he pulled out and read what they'd written. And he managed to track down half of them and he got them all together. And he said, what I want you to do is write down what you remember. And they wrote down very, very different events from what they'd originally written. But they swore blind that the newer version was the more accurate than the one that they wrote the next day. And it's because you see the news report, people make comments, all that starts to become your memory. One of the great scientists actually gave his children memories of his father because he said, my dad was great. I mean, they never met him, which is really sad that they didn't have this great granddad. He died before they were born. So he would go, oh, the time your granddad took you to the seaside. But he put, he gave them memories. And then children, the, when you wire them up, their, their brain is acting as if it's a memory, not as if it's a, 
what we the Irish call a makey up. So we can actually create memories. So your past is just your is just your concept of what happened in the past. The human brain, we have a lot of problems understanding time because from birth we've been trained to see time in a certain way but one one of the major things that I mentioned I like working with addictions because I think it's the modern plague is addictions of all kinds so it's a Chinese study and they took believe it or not parts of China have a huge drug problem and they took addicts and they got them to change their memory and it's just basic timeline you go right the time you took a load of drugs and you really got into taking drugs that year. Imagine you take that out and in that year you lived really healthy, went for a run every day. And that you actually can take out memories and put in positive memories. The rate of them slipping back into drug addiction plummeted by changing how they saw the past. So it's a, it's a major breakthrough study, I believe, because we can change. So somebody that's had a terrible, terrible life, imagine if you change their past. Imagine if you change how they view the past, they will change, their life will change. They'll suddenly no longer be the victim or this always happens to me. They will have a different concept. That's so powerful and it makes so much sense, doesn't it? And it goes back to the point you made earlier in in our conversation about the reason you didn't like counselling was you were being invited to keep talking about the things that you didn't like about your life. Yeah, you reinforce it. You're reliving it and you can, yeah. So that's fascinating. So FLP and, you know, past life regression and these other things have become very much part of your toolbox. Mm. And what's what's really interesting is that it's no longer, you know, individuals who maybe think a certain way, but actually organizations beginning to see that that's a really useful tool for them. So is it helping them to to kind of think about future strategy or is it more a way of getting... Oh, yeah, definitely very much on the future strategy, very much so, because um, they can get a glimpse of what the next big thing is in their industry. One thing I want to emphasise, this isn't fantasy, what we see happens. Three times I've moved into properties that I'd seen. I had no idea where they were, but three times I moved into properties, that into houses that I'd seen. What we see happens. So uh, it could be the stock market. It could be the new trend. Now, a company brings out something new, it can ruin them if it's the wrong thing. They can be ahead of the curve, they can be ahead of the game. I said in an interview a few years back, and I, and I put it in the new book, which came out, uh, was written before COVID, London's going to be empty. Yeah, people are going to be working from home. Expect lots of people to be working from home. Isolation's going to be a problem in the near future, not a long way off. So it's, it's understanding that you know, the big companies understand that we can see the welfare of their people, but future trends, what challenges they've got, but also what big thing do they need to be aiming at? Because the world of work will keep changing. So I have a sort of couple of questions on that. So one is obviously, you know, if you see positive things and you oh. see, uh, you know, possibilities, that's yeah. a really lovely like framework to almost work towards. And I can see yeah. why that could be quite, you know, uh, positive and helpful. What if you see something negative? Like, were you able to see that we were going to have something like a pandemic? I mean, you saw empty buildings and all that. How specific can it get? And what can you do when you see something that is like disaster that's looming? It's funny one, but um, I actually, 
I wrote about it in one of my books, but I thought it was future, further in the future. Then I started to realise it wasn't. But I actually have said in several interviews, I saw something coming out of China. I couldn't work out what it was. It almost looked like a dust floating across the oceans. And, and it felt toxic. And so I really don't like what this is. It's like this yellow or orangey thing floating, which is how they show the virus. So, yeah, mm. we knew something was coming up. I also kind of knew I wasn't traveling last year. Normally I book several trips in the spring, you know, go teaching. And I just thought I'm not going anywhere. And, and I read for a pop star. He was about to go into theatre and I went, it's going to get put off for months and months and months. He went, how can it get put off for months? I went, I don't know what would cause that, but that is going to get postponed for months. I didn't know that the weird thing coming out of China was the same time that uh, the, nobody was travelling. You know, I didn't know why anybody wasn't travelling. Sometimes you've got to try and piece things together. I thought, is it going to be that Icelandic volcano? Because that was the only... It's finding the frame of reference that makes sense. I didn't have a frame of reference for it, mm -hmm. but um, we certainly knew key things. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, uh, the key thing is, what do we do now? Because more things are going to create change. And so we need to have that little bit of instinct, that little bit of insight. Um, the other thing I, I just want to mention is we have too much choice these days. And we get we end up with far too much choice so people don't make progress they're dabbling in this dabbling what we do is we find your big thing so you know what to work on so you do start to make some fast track progress which i i love so if in the future you see going back to your question if you see um you're going to get the sack you, your industry is going to die a death because some industries do imagine if 15 years ago you were working in blockbusters and I'd say nobody's going to be coming around blockbusters hiring a video they'll be able to stream it you think that'd be silly but the world is going to keep changing that way we can head it off and go okay what else can I do we can find insight into create change um I knew I wasn't traveling so I started to make plans for how I'm going how am I going to promote my new book when I can't go to anything you know, when I can't do my public speaking or doing anything. So I had started adapting everything. You know, so yeah, when you see something negative, you create change. You just go, okay, what do I do instead? So the idea is not to think that, you know, you've got to save the world because you've seen something coming, but it's more really helping to prepare for the challenge that's about to come and, you know, be, be ready. It, it, there's certainly that element, but on my, my website, I've got um, a free download where people can help save the world. <laughs> uh, and what we do is we look at the world in 50 years as it is on our present path. How is the world? Environment, finances, everything. How is the world? Then we go back and we go, let's look at the best possible future for the world in 50 years. What's different? What's different about the best possible future? What do we need to know now to create it? But it's that thing, it's like you take one person, take yourself. If your life is absolutely wonderful in all aspects, you can help more people. You bring other people up. When, when people are struggling and fearful, it, it spreads. You can watch the fear and misinformation being spread right now. People are very fearful and they're spreading fear. They're spreading fear and confusion and anxiety. But if you do well, that's what you'll spread. So work on yourself and help to create a better world and help to bring people up. That, that to me, has to be the way to live.
Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't need everyone to do it, even if a small number of people do it, they can 1%. Percent. Only takes one percent of population to create massive change. Maharishi effect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's fascinating. <laughs> so I've read one of your books and I'm really keen to, to you know dip into the other one. So I've read The Future is Yours. Okay. And cool. I, I love that you actually give in that book such clear tools for people to do this for themselves. So they don't have to come to you, they don't have to go to a practitioner. You know, you provide them with a template where they can, if they want to, mm. they can look into their own future. So can you just quickly tell us what your other books are as well, please? The first book is Instant Intuition, because again, it's instant because I'm not patient. So I, because we can't, you've got a decision to make. You can't sit on a mountain for six weeks. So I give you loads of techniques where you can just go and tap in very quickly. The Future is Yours, the one you mentioned, is the second book, which is all about FLP. And it contains a lot of exercises uh, of how to see the future, how to glimpse your future. Cosmic Energy, the third book. What I did for that, I kept going 100, 200 years into the future to find out what we know in the future that we need to know now. And the answer kept coming back, Cosmic Energy. It's all about the energy. And so I, uh, that was a bigger book to write because I was learning things that were not already out there mm. uh, and trying them out on groups and wrote the book. Fourth book is about um, create your perfect future. And that's taking FLP a big step forward where we're going a thousand years into the future. We're changing the past, we're clearing the past. Uh, that, that, was, that was an exciting book to read because it took things a lot further. Then the fifth book, my recent book, future vision your work in life and that really is what you need to know the 10 strategies you need to thrive in the future and we need very different strategies today than what we have been using in the past um it starts off whatever you do it will change i don't care if you're a hairdresser or a ceo whatever you are a restaurant owner and nurse your world of work will change and if you keep doing what you're doing you won't keep getting what you're getting, you'll slip backwards. So that, yeah. that's how the book starts. It gives 10 strategies. So they're, they're the five books. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to check them all out. Um, Thank you. And, and what I want to do is maybe just end by asking you, you know, obviously it's been quite a long journey and, you know, meeting Greta all those years ago clearly was a big turning point for you. So where you are now, you know, A, do you feel that you have created the life you maybe once saw in your future? It, that's an interesting one. Yeah, very much. I mean, in the past, I saw a house I'm now living in. Um, I saw my grandchildren a long time before they were born. So that was really amazing. That was a vision. Let's see two boys running around and then there was a little girl. And the two boys, the brothers, they you know, granddaughter, and they were exactly what I described. I've written about it something, I think, in one of the books. But um, so, yeah, I have pretty much got the life um, I saw. It's funny because I kept seeing myself uh, on stage talking to people and, and I'd be wearing a navy suit. I went straight out and bought a navy suit. I, you know, that is my go-to for, it's almost become my symbol. So yeah, I have, I have basically got the life I saw um, with more books. We're dealing with amazing people. I mean, you know, when you've got industry leaders coming to see you, it's, it's really, really fabulous when you've got really big names calling you up and, and they're really listening to you that that's magical you know it's magical so yeah i've got i've got the life of sort yeah 
Yeah. And what is your definition of a fulfilled life? Well, it's an interesting one because I think a lot of people say they're fulfilled and they're not. I, I honestly find a lot of spiritual people very uptight. I find them very uptight, a bit too serious. Whereas I've, I've been around a long time and I've, I've seen so many scares. You know, there's going to be a nuclear war, there's going to be this, there's going to be that. And I think a lot of it is just to go, I'm okay today. That's a fulfilled life. I've got food on the table. I've got a comfortable bed to sleep in. I can watch a good movie. Do, do you know what I mean? I've got good people in my life and I'm healthy. That that I think we do come back to gratitude and acknowledging what what we have. But I think also part of it is contribution. Uh, people who don't contribute, who don't have a purpose, if you're doing something that you that might make the world a bit of a better place, that that I think that's fulfillment. Living a, a comfortable life rather than thinking, oh, I haven't got a big car, I haven't got this, I've got that. No, what have I got? What have I got? I'm actually rich. I was thinking about your, you know, what you were saying about Greta and how she kind of floated through through time. Yeah. Through mm. that. Yeah. That, it feels like maybe that would be quite a fulfilled life, wouldn't it? It really is when you've got yeah. that faith uh, that, no, it'll all work out just fine. And it does. It's like Mark Twain said, in my life, I've worried about many things. Most of them never happened. You just be OK in your life today. Just today, go, I can make good food. I can be surrounded by wonderful people. I've got my health. You know, it's counting your blessings, I, I think. Count your blessings and do something to make somebody else's life a little easier. And I just think spread a little bit of joy, make people smile, show a bit of kindness, then you'll have a fulfilled life. Thank you so much, Anne. And I'm so grateful. I mean, it's it's amazing that you know I got in touch with you this morning. Yeah. Uh, and you you just, you know, you you said yes. <laughs> and I'm never I'm never just free. I really plan out my day, but I actually cross today off because I want to record something. And I just thought. Oh, that's interesting. I'm, I'm actually here and ready and can talk. So the synchronicity, the timing is really, you've got great timing. <laughs> yes, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much, Anne. Thank you. Take care. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Anne. I found the biggest takeaway for me from Anne is how she describes uh, people who slide through time or float through life um, and and the whole notion of what past and future actually mean um, and why it's important for us to really unpick what we have perhaps been brought up to believe by society about what past and future for every one of us actually means. The idea that we can actually go back into our memories and almost reprogram how we see our past and how that can hold the key to how we live in our present life and also how we show up so that we create a different kind of future to what perhaps we would have done had we carried on on the path we were on. So thank you once again for joining me and I'm so grateful to Anne for making time to have this conversation with me at such short notice. Um, and last but not least, Thank you so much to Mike Pearl for his music that forms the bookends to my podcast episodes. If you would like Mike to create some music for you, you can get in touch with him direct via email. His email address is 
MP, that's M for Mike, P for Pearl, MP969696 at hotmail.com. Thanks for joining me and hope to see you again very soon. Bye for now. Thank you.